You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hi again, everyone. This is John Cummings. Welcome to today's podcast on the Stags Sports Network. My pleasure to bring in the head coach of Fairfield Stags Women's Basketball, Coach Joe Frager. Coach, good to see you. Hope everything is going well. Hope you're all healthy in your house. Hey, John. Uh, now, nah, yeah, we're, we're doing really well. You know, we're uh, going a little bit stir crazy, just like everyone, but uh, we're making do. Um, we're, we're doing well. Now, so much has happened since we've last seen each other. Of course, the last time we saw each other was that, that last day, the, what was supposedly the final game at Alumni Hall. Uh, I'm sure that remains to be seen with the way things have turned out. But let's, let's go back to that day. I mean, my recollection, it was a great day. Uh, one of the things that was kind of remarkable about it that might have gone under the radar was that I remember the players being told, don't shake hands before and after the game. And I was like, wow, this is, you know, this could be pretty serious. And, of course, there were five held balls during the game where you have, you know, scrums of people in the lane. And you kind of laugh it off at the time and, and, and you see how far we've come. But what, what were your recollections about that, that final day there of the regular season? Sure. I, I mean, it was uh... – it was an emotional day for all of us. Um, I know our, our, our players and our staff were, you know, very fond of Alumni Hall. A lot of, lot of good memories there, and, and I know a lot of other people share that same feeling. We just felt – we felt pressure. Um, we, we certainly didn't want to lose the last game in Alumni Hall, but not only did we want to win, we wanted to play really well. We knew that there was going to be a good crowd there, um, and I thought our kids really rose to the occasion. And uh, – you know, it was, it was one of our better offensive performances we had all season long. As far as some of the protocols that were in place, it was awkward. You know, it, it had started, I believe, the, the game before we, with, with Sienna, and it was, just, it was just weird. We just didn't know how to react. At, at the time, I remember people doing elbow bumps as opposed to high fives, um, but they didn't want the teams to shake hands, so they, we just kind of milled about and waved at each other, and and we kind of did the same thing with, with, with the Niagara game. And little did any of us know that it was going to um, just blow up the way it has and um, what, it's, what these last few months have been like for everyone. So it was, uh, it was crazy. It was, a, it, was a, it was a great experience, though, with that last game. And as you said, maybe it's not the last game at this point. Yeah, you don't really know. And then you and your team had to head down to Atlantic City, first time playing the MAC tournament down there. What were those few days like? I would imagine that compared to preparing for other tournaments, there was a lot of uncertainty. Walk, walk us through that. How was that like with your team? What was that like? Yeah, it was um, – We uh, our, our team, I thought, was playing really well at that point in the season. Um, we had gone through a little bit of inconsistency around the mid middle third of the year, and I think we'd really gotten some things ironed out. And I think our team was so focused on, on, uh, on winning. And, and winning the championship that we sort of had tunnel vision going into it. I know that there were some things swirling around and um, obviously, you know, we as a staff were aware of some of the possible developments that, that could occur, but we just wanted to try to focus on that. That's game because we had uh, beaten them twice during the regular season. As you know, it's, it's not sometimes easy to, to get teams ready to play a third time. So that was our real main focus, but I, I just remember going down there and, and getting into the casino and walking around and passing people. There was that little bit of a weird feeling like, all right, I don't know if I want to get too close to anybody here, you know, even, even at that stage of the game. And uh, 
you know, we just focused on the business at hand and, and winning that game. I was very, very uh, unaware of, of a lot of the other developments. I was so focused on the game that, you know, is when the game ended and we had won, you know, I found out like five minutes after the game, like there's a really first, I heard there's a really strong possibility that this is it. This is the last game. And then like two minutes after that, I was told, yeah, no, we're, we're pulling the plug and the tournament is ending. And uh, I had to go into the press conference with that knowledge. And uh, it was not easy going to tell the team. Some of them kind of had an inkling, but a lot of them were really hit very, very hard by it. And uh, there were, there was, there was a lot of tears. I was going to ask you that. That was the next question on my mind was the, uh, the team's awareness of what was going on going into that game. Do you think any of them had a feeling? Had they spoken about it amongst themselves? Did you find out after the fact that they really kind of had an idea that that might be it, or was it just a total surprise for everybody? Well, there's no doubt that the players are more connected than I am um, in terms of what's going on in terms of social media and, and what's out there. So, we didn't discuss it um, staff to team. Um, whether they discussed it amongst themselves, I didn't get that feeling. They were just so incredibly focused on playing well. And I just remember going in for, for, for we're soon into the locker room right after the game, and everyone was so fired up and really looking forward to getting the opportunity to play the next day. So how much they were aware of, they really didn't let on in, in, in their words and their actions. Um, it was just it was just a real sobering experience to uh, you know to have things end that way. Normally your season ends because you lost, you know. And we just played pretty darn well and won, and and now here it's over. And you got Mara sitting in the stands, you know, not even getting the opportunity to play um, to, to 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 advance to the next round to to face us. So it was uh, all the way around. It was a very surreal experience to have to, you know, clean out the rooms and pack up the bus and, and head home. It was very quiet on the bus ride home. Let me ask you a little bit about the seniors and Landy, who was the fifth year senior. Was their reaction, Sam Kramer, uh, Nicole Buss, was their reaction any different? I mean, there has never been a senior class that's gone out like that. Uh, you guys, from what I had heard, might have played in the last game or part of the last game in the entire nation. Yeah. Um, what was – what was their reaction like? Like I said, there is not exactly anybody who had, who had charted that course for them before. Right. Yeah, they were crushed. I think the, the immediate reaction was they were just more stunned, just kind of not knowing what to do. Like you say, just uncharted. We, no, no one ever anticipated that this would have been the case. And, you know, like, I, I know I'm sure like a lot of seniors who had their careers cut short that way, they felt a little bit cheated, you know, just – not having the opportunity to continue to compete and just the suddenness of how it ended. It's always tough when your college career ends and it always seems very, very sudden after that last loss. But again, coming off of a win, I think they were just more stunned than anything. And then as it started to sink in, then I think the emotions really started to flow. I, I remember when we got back to campus, I went into Walsh Athletic Center and I bumped into Sam downstairs and she was just completely distraught because I, I don't want this to be over this. I want to keep playing, um, you know, just kind of like a lost puppy at that point, really. And, and I know that I've, you know, since spoken to Kendra and, and Nicole and um, it, it hit hard, it hit hard and, and it, it hit our underclassmen hard too, because what they were saying was we're not going to get a chance to play with those guys anymore with our seniors. And, and not only that, 
they were really pumped up because they thought they had a legit shot to win it all. Well, let's talk a little bit about that senior class. You know, usually at the end of the season, I get you in the postgame show, and I ask you to say a little bit about every senior, or in this case, a grad student as well, in Kendra Landy. Could you tell us a little bit about something on each one of those players as they, as they move along? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, Kendra Landy, obviously, um, was a fifth-year player for us. She had the misfortune of uh, tearing her ACL, um, you know, in her, in her senior season. And uh, we, we met after that season and had a long discussion about what her options were. And I told her the door was open for her to come back if she wanted to. And uh, we welcomed her back when she made that decision. She worked exceedingly hard to rehab it and had a little bit of a setback early in the season with it where there was a little bit of scar tissue going on in there. And I think they had to do a little, little cleaning out in there at that point. But, I mean, Kenny had a great, great career for us. Um, you know, just a super cerebral player, great team leader, um, did a great job for us at the point, outstanding defender. And that just that experience of having a fifth-year player was huge. Um, you know, Sam Kramer, another one of our seniors, you know, Sam had a, 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 a fantastic career for us, both at the point and the two guard spot. We asked her to do uh, double duty there and play both positions, um, had to endure a loss that no one wants to ever endure as a junior and, and fought through that to, to bounce back and, and be one of our uh, most important players in her senior year and, and had a really, really good year for us. And, um, and Nicole Buss, you know, our, our senior from Canada, um, phenomenal student. You know, Nicole didn't get a tremendous amount of playing time, but she was a fantastic teammate. And she just worked so, so hard in practice getting that first group ready um, for their next opponent all the time. So uh, a trio of fantastic young women that, that, that are going to be missed by all of us. Once again, thank you for joining us on the Stags Sports Network for today's podcast. John Cummings along with Fairfield Head basketball coach Joe Frager. Coach, before we get into the incoming class, I have to ask you a little bit about recruiting. I mean, I know that generally speaking, March can be a bit of a hot time, uh, especially for, you know, you get those those senior showcases for kids who are kind of trying to make their way into Division One or make a bigger name for themselves. Uh, you get to go to all of those county and, and diocesan and whatever other playoffs you can think of, and you're trying to split your time between you know, to preparing your team and getting out and watching some other seniors and juniors and, and all of that just stopped. Um, how has recruiting gone since then? I'm sure you've used this Zoom quite a bit, but how's it gone? Yeah, it's, um, it's a new world. It's, it's a new world in terms of recruiting. Uh, you know, like, as you said, the use of the Zoom call and, um, and it's still up in the air. We don't know if we're going to have the traditional viewing period where we're going to be able to get on the road and watch people play. Um, more than likely, there's going to be uh, some viewing of some games remotely, some AAU games. And uh, fortunately for this incoming class, we had already had it set. Um, so there wasn't really anything else we had to do for, for the 2021 group coming in. And we'd had that nailed down. It, it has made it a little bit more difficult uh, looking forward to the to the class of 21, you know, we're still able to got, we were able to get some scholarship offers out there to some people that we had seen. Um, we're just viewing a lot more film. And as you said, doing a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, zoom calls and, and trying to get to know people that way. So it's, it's, it's a new experience, but you know, we're getting better at it. And I think the kids are, have acclimated to it. But uh, like I said, fortunately we were 
we were already established with the kids that had committed to us uh, before all this hit. Yeah, and I would imagine that the early recruiting, you know, the getting out there and looking at what was this year's sophomore high school class and this year's junior high school class, I'm sure you had already made some great connections in that regard, but I'm sure that perhaps more so than ever, that those connections with the sophomore class will probably help more than anything. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no doubt. Um, I, I think one of the real challenges is when you're trying to cast a wide net to, to look at players – you know, it's impossible for every single coach on staff to have seen every single kid. And in some cases, an assistant might have seen someone really like them, but they want me to take a look. And that's usually what this viewing period is all about, where, okay, coach, I recommend this kid highly. Um, I've already seen some film on him, but I want to go and see him play live. Right now, we don't, we're not sure if we're going to have that, that ability to do so. So, um, you just put a lot of faith in your assistants that they've done an excellent job. But the offers that we do have out are obviously are kids that we had already seen quite a bit and had a level of familiarity with. Um, but I think you're going to get kids making commitments maybe a little bit quicker now um, just because of the uncertainty. And, and a lot of times, you know, certain players have taken an awful long time and want to visit as many schools as possible. But we're seeing a lot more kids pulling the trigger quicker now because of these circumstances. So let's t- take a look at your recruiting class that's coming in for this year. It's a, it's a very well-rounded group. It's really a, a position-by-position recruiting class, and, and it certainly looks like it's a good one. Let's start with your point guard, five-five guard from Long Island, Janelle Brown. Yeah, uh, Janelle, uh, you know, as you said, played for Longwood High School, um, had a great high school career, also played her AAU ball for the Long Island Renegades. Um, we watched her an awful lot. Um, you know, we, we caught a whole bunch of her games, so we're, we're very, very familiar with her style of play. She's a great floor general. Um, she has the ability to get the ball to the rim. She's an outstanding one-on-one defender, um, definitely uh, quick, agile at, at, that, at that spot, and she's a tough kid, too. Um, she kind of plays like she's got a little bit of a chip on her shoulder, and, and, and I like that, and a uh, little edge to her. Um, but that's okay. You know, I, I'd rather somebody come in with some sharp edges. Maybe you got to smooth a few of them out, but you know, I think that's what makes her a really good player, just her competitive nature. And it gives us another nice threat there at the point guard spot. Yeah. And she was the first team, all Long Island player, uh, which I don't have to tell you this Long Island has really become a hotbed for basketball. I mean, it's a population wise, it's a big place. There's almost 4 million people, uh, but to be a first team all Long Island player in Newsday that's a that's a pretty lofty spot yeah no that was well deserved she had a heck of a year and uh you're right the basketball on Long Island is 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 very very good you know and uh so there's that level of competition she faced in Long Island and also her AAU program played in some very prominent tournaments so she got to play against excuse me some high level people there too and like I said she's just a scrappy competitive kid um that i know that if i was going to pick people to go five on five with she'd be one of the first ones i'd pick because of her level of competitiveness and that like i said that edge she has about her so you solidified the point guard position and we'll move on to the two guard position mimi rubino out of new jersey what can you tell us about her yeah mimi uh morris catholic uh played her aau ball for the new jersey freedom um a true combo guard i mean she's she has played some point guard in the past, 
Um, we, we don't intend to use her at the point. We see her as more of a two guard. She's a lefty. Um, she's a, an elusive player. She's a shifty player. Um, she's got uh, a little bit of playground to her game with, with the way she goes at things and uh, um, is explosive, can get the ball to the rim, has a nice pull-up game, uh, can hit not only the mid-range shot, but she can hit the three as, as well. And just a sweetheart of a kid had a great visit with us. And, uh, you know, she had four or five offers to different schools and, um, you know, really loved her visit and, and we got the commitment from her. So, you know, we cert- we see her uh, competing for minutes at that two guard spot. Now, you know, both of those guards, uh, both Brown and uh, Rubino, when I saw them, uh, they, you know, they listed five, 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 six and five, eight, five, nine, whatever, whichever list you see, but they both appeared to be longer players. Uh, even even Brown at five five, I met her in at Alumni Hall. Uh, she seemed a lot longer than her height. I would imagine that that's something you're looking for, even though they're a little bit on on the shorter side in the backcourt. They looked like they were long players and good def- have reputations as good defenders. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely uh, that's definitely the case with Janelle. You know, she is she is short and compact, but she's got some pretty long arms um, for that small frame that she's got and. She uses those attributes really, really well. And Mimi's just a, that, like you said, that long, lanky kind of a five foot eight. She's got a body that's got a lot of room to fill out too. Once you get her in a college weight room, she'll put on five to seven good pounds over her first couple of years. And um, you know, I, I think that they both have a very high ceiling for us. Now let's move down to the post. A, a true post player in Dana Toronto, also out of New Jersey. Yeah, uh, you know, really, really like Dana. Um, really has a multifaceted game. You know, she's a post player, uh, strong, strong body, great frame. Um, can stretch it, though. She, she can shoot that 17, 18-footer. She can hit the three. But she's just got a great touch around the basket. And uh, like I said, great pair of shoulders, great frame on her. And uh, I, I really think she's just starting to scratch the surface. I think that the sky's the limit for her. I, I, I as, 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 you know, as her game develops, um, I think that uh, she's going to round into a really good player for us. And both Rubino and Toronto, both New Jersey players, but both all County players and, and New Jersey, another hotbed for recruiting. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you can go wrong, you know, recruiting uh, New York kids, recruiting New Jersey kids. Um, I, I think the basketball is really, really good. Uh, I think there's a, uh, uh, a certain attitude or a certain swagger that you get with when you recruit kids from those states. And uh, um, yeah, but you know, I, I talk about kids having an edge and everything, but you couldn't find, we talk about Janelle, Dana and Mimi. They're just three sweet young women. You know, they're, they're, they're just great, great kids. And uh, you know, but that's what you want. You want that competitive edge when you step across the line. Then when you step back off, you, you want someone who's, who's doing all the right things. Before I get to the final piece of that recruiting class, when you look at players, uh, how much of it is based on just raw talent and how much of it is dependent on whether or not they fit into what you run? Sure. Um, I think first and foremost, it's, you're looking at talent. You're, you're, you, know, you, you want to identify kids that can play. And, uh, you know, so, and, and then once you find them, then you start to take a good hard look and, and say, how well will they fit into what we want to do? And, and, but it's also my job as a coach to try to adapt what we do, adapt the plays that we run, the things that we do to fit our talent. You know, in certain years we have to, 
you know, play a little bit. Well, if, if you noticed our team this past year, we probably went to more isolation stuff, uh, more one-on-one -on -one stuff for Lou Lopez and KT Armstrong than we had in previous years. So, um, yeah, it's definitely talent first, but then you see how they fit into your system, and then there's that process of getting to know them. You know, you just you, you don't want to bring in somebody who's gifted but who's going to be a complete headache once you get them. You want somebody that understands what it's like to be on a team, somebody that understands that Fairfield University is going to challenge them academically, and they can't goof off. There's going to be expectations that they have to meet. So you have the point guard, you have a combo guard, you have a post player, and then the final player of the group is Mackenzie DeLeva out of Boston. And I, I watched some video on her coach. She, she looks like she could play just about any spot. Tell us about her. Yeah, Big Mac. Um, yeah, talk, talk about a set of shoulders. And, uh, I mean, she looks like she's been in a, a college weight room for, for four years already. Um, she's just got a gifted with a tremendous athletic frame. Um, but in, despite that strength and size that she has on her six-foot frame, she's agile. Like you said, she can play multiple positions. She can play a guard. I've seen her bring the ball up and run the point. I've seen her break presses herself handling the ball. She's also a great rebounder, um, has an, a super pull-up game, and, and also has a great touch around the basket. So she fits into that, that true 3-4 kind of a mode. I know she really loves playing facing the basket, and, and that's we're going to use her a great deal doing that. But uh, I, I just think she's a, she's a super talent. And I know that we were in some pretty deep waters trying to recruit her, and we felt very, very fortunate that, that she committed to us. And I, I can still vividly remember when she committed. It was, it was during the season. It was, it was, uh, I was actually – it was early one morning, and I was standing in the Farmington River with my layers on and my waders, and I was trout fishing. Uh, one of the only, I was the only soul on the river because it was about 32 degrees at the time. And my phone rings, and I'm – who's calling me it's 7:05 a.m. I'm trying to catch a trout here and it was it was Mackenzie and she's coach I, I just want to tell you I want to come to Fairfield and play for you I said Mac don't mess with me you know I, I you know don't I don't I don't need you joking with me at 7 no 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 I want to come to Fairfield so that was uh I don't even remember if I caught anything that day I just know Mackenzie DeLeva committed while I was standing in the Farmington River um but yeah no she's a uh, She's a special kid. She's talented, great kid. Um, she can play. She can get after it, and uh, we're really looking forward to coaching her. That's probably the best keeper you had all trout season. Oh, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt. Although I did catch an, a beautiful 21-inch brook trout, about four and a half pounds uh, out of the Farmington. You don't catch too many of those. But, yeah, Mackenzie was a much better catch, though. Well, you've talked a lot about deep waters. There's, she got some pretty big offers. Right? Seton Hall, a couple others. That's a, that's a great get. Yeah, and, and that's you just never know. Once you start getting some schools from larger conferences involved, you hope you've done your due diligence. And, and that, but I think she really formed a nice bond with our players when she was on her visit. Um, and I know Callie Cavanaugh was her host, and, and they were just giggling back and forth and texting back and forth the, the entire time. I, that's something I still don't understand with, uh, with players. They're, they're three feet away, and instead of communicating verbally, they text back and forth. But, man, whatever gets the job done. Uh, she, she loved us, and uh, we love her. Well, Coach, we alluded before to the fact that 
you know, we talked about the last game at Alumni Hall, what might have been the last game at Alumni Hall. At least it was supposed to be the last game at Alumni Hall. And now we don't really know. Have you heard anything about possibly changing that? Or has there been any talk around it, about it at all? Well, I, I still think nothing is, is, uh, is definitive uh, on that. Um, nothing's official. Um, but obviously when the, all the, uh, the, uh, the COVID restrictions came into play uh, within the state of Connecticut, construction on everything shut down um, and, and, and the, the new arena um, uh, included our on-campus facility. So those plans got delayed as a result of that. So, I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a possibility that, that, you know, Alumni Hall may get one more go around. Uh, but uh, like I said, nothing, nothing definitive yet. I know the plans were already in place for if the construction had started for us to be shifting our games uh, down to the arena, uh, down to the Webster Bank Arena. Um, so, uh, but, but I think it's still kind of a fluid situation. I would think that you just have to hope for another winter like the one we had this past winter where there was no snow and there was no freeze. And when you have a construction project that you'd like to move along, that would certainly help because that was one mild winter we had. Yeah, no, that, that, that definitely would. But I, I know as, as soon as, uh, as, soon as uh, you know, the whole project is, gets a green light, they're going to attack it very, very fast, very hard. And um, hopefully that, that time frame that we had originally excuse me, projected will we'll still hold true the second time around. Because there's no doubt we're all looking forward to it. As much as we love Alumni Hall, um, the specs on that and the views, the looks that we've had at, at, the, at the new planned convocation center, just it's just absolutely beautiful. And I'm sure it helped quite a bit with bringing in those four players that we just talked about. Didn't hurt. I tell you, it didn't hurt. You know, I mean, we were able to show them the, um, the nice virtual tour of it and, and talk them through it. And, uh, they just smiled a lot and nodded during that because there's, there's no doubt. I mean, I, we have a personal attachment to alumni hall because we've had so many experiences there through the years, but to a 16 year old who's never experienced it, you can tell them how much you enjoy playing at alumni hall and what advantage it is. But when a 16 year old sees brand new state of the art, that, that definitely does not hurt in the recruiting business. Well, coach, this has been a lot of fun. It's good to see you. Uh, I look forward to seeing you in person soon. Uh, we all look forward to seeing everybody in person soon. Uh, like I said, this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get to do it again. And uh, thanks for taking time out to talk to everyone out in uh, Stagland. John, I've enjoyed it. Um, I, I'll do this anytime you want. And I just want to wish you and yours all the best. Stay healthy and, and all the Stag fans out there, you know, be well. And we'll be back together very soon. And go Stags. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's Stags Sports Network podcast. John Cummings along with Joe Frager. Uh, hoping that you all stay safe and for a while stay home. And, and we hope to see you real soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.